Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we're about to look into a very special part of your word. Specifically, a portion that recounts to us the words that Jesus himself spoke while he was on the earth. These red letter words have guided, have sustained, have instructed his followers for nearly 2,000 years. So, Father, we pray that these words, preserved by the Spirit of God, might have power to shape us, to encourage us, to inform us. For we ask this in Jesus' name and and for the sake of his church. Amen. Now, today's Red Letter Scriptures, and what we've been doing, you know, is, is this whole year. We started the first Sunday in January looking at the teachings of Jesus, the words in the New Testament that in some Bibles are written in red ink, letting us know they came right out of the mouth of Jesus. It's not words that the Holy Spirit inspired somebody else to say, but words that Jesus himself said, his teachings. And Jesus said, if any man, if any man or woman will take these teachings of mine and put them into practice... Why, they will be like a person living in a house that's built on a rock. They will be steadfast and firm. And that's what we want to be, right? We want to be unshakable by the things of life. Steadfast, firm, from now until the end of life. And so we've been looking at those letters now going on. This is our 10th month. And today, we're going to look at some of those red letter words of Jesus that are the most familiar... The most foundational words, perhaps, that Jesus ever spoke. They are words that have come down through the years as some of the most helpful words that his disciples have ever heard. I trust they'll be helpful to us today. It would seem to be some of the easiest words to put into practice. Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad we're getting to some easy ones. Some of the words of Jesus are not so easy to put into practice. They're challenging, they're difficult. But I'm telling you now, these today, why? I mean, these are a piece of cake. Don't turn to anybody and say, this will be a piece of cake. Because we might be surprised. But they seem like they should be the easiest to put into practice of any of them. Because it seems like all we have to do is repeat them. Just repeat them. That's not hard to do. And it's easy to repeat them. They're short enough, this passage. Over the years, most Christians have memorized them and can repeat them easily. In fact, they're so well known that sometimes in certain churches, they've even been used as a form of discipline or penance. Penance in some churches, as in, say, ten father, ten our father.
So Matthew has just a, says debts and debtors rather than trespasses and, and transgressions and those things. But here it says, Jesus said, when you pray, you see the disciples had asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. So Jesus says, well, when you pray, say this. When you pray, say this. Say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Keep that phrase in your mind. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. Translators are, are divided over which that should be. But the normal ending, for thine is the kingdom and the power, it was not in the original. Though for church practice, it became a very nice way to end off this statement. And it has a great uh, meaning to it. But what Jesus said stopped right here. And deliver us from temptation. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, don't misunderstand here. We've got to be sure we understand. It's not like the disciples didn't pray. These were Jewish men. They'd been raised since they were little kids, reading the Psalms of David, the prayers of David. They had gone to all the, the different Jewish activities. They were in the synagogue every Saturday. Prayer was part of their life. But you... And they were recognizing that their prayers, that sometimes might have sounded like a psalm, and maybe in times of trouble, they might have cried out to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hear us. They perhaps in moments of challenge would courageously face their foes the way that David had faced the giant Goliath. Remember what David said? He said, I come to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. That's who I'm coming. That's who I'm under the authority of. The God of the armies of Israel. But Jesus prayed differently. They knew that Jesus prayed differently. And they wanted to... And courage and wisdom and understanding, compassion and gentleness, vision and purpose. And Jesus granted their request. They said, Lord, teach us how to really pray. Teach us how to pray in this, what seems like a new way. Not just repeating great statements from the past, but... But somehow, you seem to make it so much more personal whenever we've listened in. And as Jesus granted their request, he altered their prayer life forever. And so he began by saying, when you pray. Knowing that they were prayerful men. But here's what you say when you pray. And he really was saying to them, from now on, every time you pray, say this. Now, there are no doubt some of us in the room here this morning 
who need to hear Jesus' words in that way. And for sure, all of us need to be reminded that there is a way to pray and that this is it. Jesus said, this way, do it like this. But this way to pray is more than just reciting these special words. We got to know that. Anybody can say these words by rote. And many, many people have. Like I said, even at times for punishment. Say them and say them and say them and say them. There's no magic in the words all by themselves. There's a purpose. And there's passion behind those words. We need to say these words the way Jesus said them. We need to say these words with the relationship to God that Jesus had. We need to say these words understanding what it is we're really asking for or committing ourselves to. And so that's going to be our task this morning. There's a lot of territory to cover, and we're going to cover the whole prayer. Turn to somebody and say, we're going to cover the whole prayer. This could be a six-sermon series. You know, we could take each one of these parts out. I thought about doing that, but we didn't have enough weeks in the year left. So here's what we're going to do, because we want to cover a lot of the rest of Jesus' words as well. Let me try to unlock the meaning. Because we need to be tuned into the meaning of this prayer every time we give ourselves to prayer. So let me suggest to you this morning six key words, because there's six phrases in this prayer. Six key words that can help perhaps unlock the meaning for us. Six key phrases make up the text. Here's the first word. And I left you blanks today, so you can get them in there, but I bet none of you guessed all six of these words as uh, just having the first letter of them. Here's the first word, allegiance. Allegiance means loyalty, commitment, identity. Our Father in heaven. Jesus says, when you pray, say, first thing, our, that even says this could be a group prayer, right? Could say all of us believers have this in common. Even if you're praying all by yourself, you are part of a group. You are part of the family of faith. You are one of God's children. And so when you come before the Heavenly Father, it's appropriate to always say, Our. That lets Him know that you know you're not an only child. And He didn't do all of this just for you, even though He would have if you were the only one. But you're letting Him know right off the bat, you realize you are part of a glorious family of God. You've been brought into that family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The grace of God's been poured down upon you. Your sins have been forgiven. God himself has declared you acceptable and righteous in his sight. And you're part of a wonderful bunch. And so say, our. Our Father in heaven. You see, when we who belong to Jesus when we who have been given new life in his name, when we pray, our attention turns not 
to the God of the armies of Israel. Our attention does not even turn to the creator of heaven and earth. And there was greater light. <laughs> our attention, our attention, Jesus said, should turn to the one who is our father in heaven. And at times Jesus even used that very tender term that, that children use, our Abba Father. We love that in this church, don't we? We talk about our Abba Father's characteristics today, that he's powerfully protective. That's our daddy. That's our Abba. We have a relationship like that with him. We're not, become, we're not coming like someone before the emperor of Rome and just begging to be heard. This is our Father we're talking to. Our Father who loves us, our Father who saved us, our Father who is nurturing us by his Spirit. Our Father, and he's in heaven. It's our Dad. Our Heavenly Father we address. And though we know that our Heavenly Father is the most powerful being in all of the universe, the most relevant thing is that he's our Amma. And he has set his love upon us. And that's a given. And we can be sure of that before we say anything else. He's our father. He has formed a bond with us through spiritual birth. He is ours. And we are allied with him and with all that he stands for. We are loyal to him. We are committed to him even as Jesus Christ, the son of God, was and is. And so let me just say this. Don't want to hurt anybody's feelings in any way. But let me just say this today. Prayers that begin, dear Jesus, are missing the mark. They're missing the mark. Even though there are many believers who want to have that tender relationship, that close relationship, that loving relationship that in their experience they only have with Jesus. And so when they pray, it's like, oh, dear Jesus. Just like you were a little old lady in the first century when Jesus was walking in the flesh right by you and you came up to him and fell on your knees and you could say, dear Jesus, help me. Help my daughter. But that's not the relationship we have now. And Jesus himself was saying that, that personal, intimate, nearest, most loving relationship I want you to have is with my father, just like I have. So when you pray, you start that way. You say, our father. That's Jesus' teaching. We need to keep that in mind. There's only one prayer of Jesus that's recorded enough of it for us to really get a, a sense of how Jesus prayed. It's in John chapter 17. It's the whole chapter. You can read it. And, and this is the prayer Jesus prayed the night he was betrayed to his father. And in that chapter, seven times, Jesus says, Father. Father, and then a request. Father, and then a request. Father, and then a thank you. And then he says, Holy Father. He says, Righteous Father. He knows all about the nature of his Father, but he was talking to his Father. And he says, When you pray, you do that too. We can pray in Jesus' name, of course. 
we come before the Father through the Son. Because he has died for us, he has saved us, he has made us a child of God, even by the work of the Holy Spirit. But the end result of it all is that we've been provided a father. And we are children of God. And Jesus says, whenever you pray, you do it the same way I did it. And if you have trouble running that through your mind, just imagine Jesus praying a prayer saying, Dear Jesus. You say, well, that'd be funny. That'd be silly. Who did Jesus pray to? The Father. And so now he's teaching us how to pray in a way that both pleases God and will have the the greatest impact in our life. So that's the very first one. We begin to pray by reestablishing our allegiance is to the Almighty God, the Father, the Creator, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father as well. Now the second word, reverence. Our Father in heaven. I like the way the old king, our Father who art in heaven. You know, it just seems like it's a, you know, we've said that so many times. But then, hallowed, holy, be your name. Your name is to be elevated in my mind and in the entire universe in a way that no other name is elevated. Reverence, worship, awe, devotion. Hallowed be your name. And so even though we come to our Heavenly Father as though he's our daddy, never allow yourself to forget the awesome being that your Heavenly Father is. There's none other like him. He is the everlasting father. He is the one whom the Lord Jesus Christ adores and serves. His name is to be revered above all. It's never to be taken in vain. It's never even to be used just casually. Hallowed be your name. It's like, Father, I'm... I'm calling you by that name right now and I, I elevate that name. You are the Father of all. You are my Heavenly Father, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit who seeks to make us Christ-like would continually seek to overwhelm us with the goodness and the greatness of our Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit's forever saying, don't forget Don't forget who you're dealing with. This is the Almighty God. This is the God who created all things, and he is your father. He's given birth to you because of his son, and the Spirit could say, and by my work within your heart, the Heavenly Father's become your father as well. Oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, surely a prayer that testifies to our allegiance to our Heavenly Father and a prayer that stirs our feelings of reverence toward him will find this next word to come most naturally to us. And here it is. For truly the Almighty cannot be thwarted or overcome. It's his invincibility that contributes to the awe we feel in his presence. And so I suggest this next key word, which is Confidence. Confidence. 
Never pray with a, I hope so. God, if you can. God, if you could find the time to. Here, certainty, assurance, poise. I'm going to add one little word in each half of this phrase. Your kingdom, see, when we're praying to our Heavenly Father who is invincible, our Father's will that is always done and will be perfectly one day done, we can stick this in and just say, your kingdom will come. How many of you believe that? You believe the kingdom of God will eventually come? Do you believe that God's perfect, fulfilled will will eventually be carried out in this world? That what God says will happen? So it's really not messing anything up just to put that, uh, that little confident word in there. Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom will come. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As I said, this is not the hope so portion of the prayer. Oh, I hope, Father, your will gets done someday. I hope that your kingdom come and, and work is done in this world and, and my life isn't just forever lived in this in-between where nothing God wants to have happen is happening. Oh, God, I, I know your kingdom is coming right now. I know that your will is being done. If nowhere else, your will's being done in me. But it's being done in millions and in all different places. Through all manner of situations, the will of God is being done. And so I affirm that. I experience confidence in the Almighty God. His kingdom is advancing. His will is being done. And so when we pray, we're, we're praying to a victorious God. To a victorious God. He's experiencing victories in the carrying out of his will right now. Even as the moment you gave your heart to Jesus Christ was an incredible victory of the Almighty God over sin, over self, over all these things. You could say, oh God, your will has been done in me. Your kingdom has come and it's growing in me just like one of those parables Jesus told. Started like a little seed, but man, it's growing, it's growing and I am trusting in it more and more and I'm seeing, all Father, as it has come already, so I believe it will come in fullness. This is a great part of that prayer to just stir a confident spirit within us. Not necessarily asking God for our specific agenda. Oh God, here's what I want you to do and I believe you will. No, nobody put you in charge of creating the world. You pray that his kingdom come and he'll take into account everything that makes you you. You pray that his will is going to be done and he will work through every situation where your will and his will might be in conflict. And as you pray for his will to be done, he can help your will just kind of dry up and blow away. You say, I don't know why I ever thought that. I don't know why I ever wanted that to happen. I'm so glad that, that God worked out things this way in my life and I, I'm confident that he'll continue to do that. 
So, Father, your kingdom will come. Your will will be done on this earth, even as it is in heaven. And, of course, we very likely will not see the fulfillment of that even during our lifetime. But maybe we will. Those who have gone before us have, have hoped to see it in their lifetime. We don't know God's time frame. But we do know there's, there's progress being made. Because our lives only have so many years in them. And so we do know God's kingdom is going to come in us individually because he's concerned for each of us individually and he's working out his plans for us individually and he plans for us each individually to stand before him and possibly hear him say, well done. Even while the big kingdom is still coming in, what he planned to accomplish in us can be declared done when we stand before him. And so his kingdom is coming. His kingdom is being accomplished. His will is being worked out. And as we pray and remind ourselves of that, great confidence builds up within us. We can be sure that our own destiny is caught up in the greater, larger plans of God. Well, now here comes the fourth word. <clears throat> The word sustenance. Give us this day our daily bread. Sustenance is the thing that nourishes, that sustains, keeps us going. Easy to just think about physical stuff, the food we eat. And so Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. I like to put it this way. Give me that which daily bread is that which I need this day to fulfill my part in my Father's kingdom plan. Give me this day my daily bread. Grant to me that which I need to fulfill my part in your great kingdom plan. Because there's a part for each one of us to play. And sometimes that might be just as simple as physical food. Just keep me going. Sometimes it's, uh, it's other things that get provided that we're going to need as we respond to his Spirit's leading and minister in situations. But Father, grant that to me. Whatever it might be, grant me this day exactly what I need to sustain me and to nourish me and enable me to carry out my part in your plan. So there we have them. So far, allegiance, reverence, confidence, sustenance, they're all key words. Each of them impacts the nature and the content of this prayer. Can't you just see it as you pray that prayer? Each one of those phrases can give you pause to think about what you're talking about and can actually bring other words and thoughts, words out of your mouth and thoughts to go through your head. Whether it's talking about our Father and your heart goes to, how did he become my father? Where was I? When was I? Oh, Father, thank you for that person who shared the gospel with me way, way back then. Or maybe only a week or a month or a, a little while ago. Oh, Father, thank you for bringing the gospel message to me that allowed me to become one of your children. And that might lead, see, to additional prayer statements of praise. Hallowed be your name. 
Father, don't let anything else become more important to me than you are. Don't even let anything be in a close second place. Your name is above everything else. And may your will and your kingdom, your work be done. That's so much more important than anything I could even think of. And Father, the fact that I could be part of your kingdom work is just overwhelming to me. Especially when I think about my background. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you. See, and so each one of these phrases, having a a slightly different focus, can stir our hearts to just talk to God in in ways that just match up with that. But here's the fifth one. Here's where it's a tougher part of the prayer. This is a tougher part of the prayer. We call it forbearance. means patience, leniency, mercy. And here's how Jesus expressed it. Forgive us our debts. Now this is still us talking to the Father. Forgive us our debts. A debt basically is what we owe, in this case, and cannot pay. If we could pay it, we wouldn't need anybody to forgive us for it. It's the things we couldn't pull off that we were supposed to. Forgive us our debts, even as we have... Now, some Bible scholars debate whether that's a a past tense type of thing or a present tense. You know, even as we forgive or even as we have forgiven. The New International takes the approach that the best translation is actually the harder. Even as we have forgiven. Forgiven our debtors, those who owe us what they cannot pay. What do we do with people like that? What does God do to us? As human beings, do we have a debt? Do we owe God anything that in and of ourselves we can't pay? Back in the beginning, what were Adam and Eve responsible to do? Just obey God, right? Obey God. There's a lot of things to do and one thing not to do. And they chose to do the one thing that they shouldn't do. And obviously the rest of it they didn't do. They didn't fully obey. So mankind owes God obedience. Mankind owes God worship. Mankind owes God eternal thankfulness. And men in and of themselves give God none of that. They even come to the place where they don't, they say they don't even believe there is a God. So how could they owe someone who doesn't even exist something? And why should they feel guilty about not paying what they owe when they don't buy the whole story at all? But then there are others who try, try to live the best life they can and and get God to say, paid in full. You obeyed me perfectly. Do any of you qualify? Did you, have you, to this point, we don't know about tomorrow, but to this point, have any of you obeyed God perfectly? Even if we kept the Ten Commandments perfectly, flawlessly. See, so we're, we're already, we got a debt we cannot pay, and we're stuck with it. And, and so as we pray, we, we ask God to forgive us of that debt. Now, Jesus says, 
He's not, he's not really talking about salvation here, though. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to us who have been forgiven of, of the big debt. Jesus died on the cross for us. We know we're forgiven. But how many of you are bothered when you sin? Anybody here feel guilty when you sin? When you do something you absolutely know is wrong, God says you shouldn't do that and we did it, and, and, you, and it bothers us, right? We feel guilty. We've, even though we know Jesus died for it, and uh, I don't ever have to worry about it again, we nevertheless feel the results of it. We can feel ashamed of ourselves. We can feel like we're unworthy to even come back into church. We might feel all kinds of things. Sin has a way of, of just robbing us of uh, what God would have us know and feel. Even though hell has been paid for, our life can almost become hell. And we say, Father, I am so sorry. Because this thing came between us as far as our fellowship goes. This thing has grieved the Holy Spirit, and we know the Holy Spirit is grieved. We are grieved. We know we're not living this Christian life the way we ought to live it, and we feel, can feel miserable when we think about it. We say, oh, Father, I'm so sorry. I really made a mess of this thing. And I might even turn somebody away from the truth because I was so... me... We say, Father, could you forgive me? Could you forgive me and, and just cleanse me anew? Let my soul get rid of this feeling of guilt and shame and regret and this just bogged me down and got me all messed up? And Jesus says, well, that's a, that's a personal relationship request. God is upset with what you've done. You have broken fellowship. The Holy Spirit has been grieved. And now you're asking us to overlook that, to forgive you of it, to take away the consequence of it. Here's the thing. Is there anybody in your life that's done that same thing to you? Is there anybody in your life that has acted in such a way that fellowship between you and that person has been, been broken or even severed and they feel horrible about it? But it's kind of a situation where you've said, you know, I, I don't know, I just couldn't ever forgive them for that. That hurt me so much, pained me so bad, I... I just don't think I could ever forgive them for that. They're just going to have to live with the ugly feeling they have inside every time they see me. And basically Jesus is saying, well, you might have to live with the ugliness in you then. This is not a matter of throwing you into hell at the end of your life. I died for you. But we're talking about a, a relational, emotional circumstance where you are refusing to do and give relief to somebody to give them the very same relief you are asking God to give to you.
And so I ask you, if you're asking God to give you relief from that guilt, from that sense of failure, from whatever it might be, are you willing or have you already extended that kind of forgiveness? Have you borne with someone who feels the very way toward you that you feel toward God? You feel you've failed him. They feel they've failed you. They've actually asked for forgiveness and you've denied it. So see, this is on a relational level. And when we're praying to God and if we're coming in there and all of a sudden we're, we're confessing to God there's something in my life that where I've really messed up and, and I don't feel as close to you as I once did. In fact, I feel horrible. Could you just forgive me and cleanse me and, and let me get back to where we were and back with a, a close relationship with your spirit And at the same time, there's a reluctance to let somebody get relief from you. That's a tough thing. There's a lot of relational problems in human society. A lot of relational problems within church families, within between believers. And Jesus is speaking about a relational thing here. And so when we come to this part, forgive us our debts even as we have forgiven our debtors. Jesus would say, well, have you? Have you? Mark, have you? All of us are susceptible to having this kind of a holding on to things that we don't want God to hang on to, but we want to hang on to it in our own little personal relationships. And Jesus says, you've got to you got to let that go for their sake and for your sake. Well, now here's just the last one. Deliverance. Because this whole thing we're talking about now, we need to be delivered from selfishness, our own fallen nature that holds on to grievances. Deliverance. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one who stands behind it. Give us deliverance from our fallen nature within. That's where all temptation comes from. And give us deliverance from the enemy of our souls who who walks the world outside of us and seeks to derail us. Just saying that. Just saying that to the Father, asking that, lets the Father know we know how things are in this world. We have an enemy within our fallen human nature, selfish it is. We have an enemy without the fallen one himself, Lucifer, who seeks to destroy the works of God. And we're asking the Father to just provide us what we're talking about today. He's powerfully protective. Oh, Father, protect me. Protect me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Ah, this prayer says, Father, I yield myself to your plan. May your spirit develop Christ-likeness within me. That takes care of my own temptations from the fallen nature. 
and may he guide me through this fallen, sin-filled world. The Spirit will never walk us into the devil's territory. As soon as we get there, the devil leaves. So, Father, he's provided the Spirit to guide us. He's provided the new life to overcome the old nature. And it's like, Father, just keep that going. Just keep that going. I desire it. I want it. Jesus says, pray like this. So here's our final thought. The prayer that Jesus taught is the most complete God-pleasing prayer we can ever pray. Even if we just say the words. Have you ever told your spouse or your children these words, I love you? Now, those words can mean something wonderful, right? And people can hear them. Or you could be rushing out the door and say, oh, gee, before I get out, I love you. You can repeat the Lord's Prayer with a, I love you. Say 10, our fathers. Or you can repeat it and let every word of it strike your heart and and your mind and, and be a fresh expression as though you'd never prayed this prayer before. And that's the way it hits the Father's ears. It's like they've never prayed these things before, but they believe these with all their heart. And they're powerful. And they're complete. You don't have to pray for an hour or two. However long it says to go through this, or it takes, if it's from your heart, you know you've touched the bases. The very way Jesus said, when you pray, say these kinds of things. Amen? Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, our Father in Heaven, oh, hallowed be your name. Thank you for the opportunity to, to read to reflect upon these words of Jesus himself. We would want to pray in the spirit of this prayer every time we come into your presence. For these are the things you want to hear. These are the things that your son told us to say. Father, may these things and the thoughts behind them be so real to us that we never pray this prayer the same way twice. Stir our hearts. May all of it be true. And may you be honored, your name raised high. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for the sake of his church. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.